The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast. I'm Justin Dunk, joined by Jean Auge and Jumbo Cheese. Extra cheese because it's CFL free agency, baby. We're discussing the riders agreeing to terms with three of Three Down Nation's top 10 pending free agents. Matthew Betts and Tim White still being without deals for 2024. The Hamilton Tiger Cats finalizing their coaching staff under Scott Milanovic. Boris Beattie joining the Edmonton Elks. And Adarius Pickett landing in the nation's capital. But first. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers retained two of Three Down Nation's top three free agents, despite J.C. Abbott wanting to lower Brady Oliveira on the list. The Bombers re-signed running back. Brady Oliveira and receiver Dalton Schoen both will earn $230,000 this season, while Oliveira will earn $240,000 in 2025 as part of his two year contract. Are you surprised, though, that the Bombers were able to retain both players? I was. Uh, I really was. Going into this week, the buzz was Dalton Schoen was very likely to be gone. Brady Oliveira was likely to be back, and Jermarcus Hardrick, the all-star right tackle, who, of course, was the CFL's most outstanding offensive lineman, at least in the West Division this past season, was going to be a, a coin flip. And obviously, once the numbers got flying around in earnest, that kind of swung the other way. Dalton Schoen, I don't think the market was as hot for him as him and his agent were anticipating. The original ask for Dalton Schoen was around $300,000. I was led to believe they would have taken something in the neighborhood of 285. For context, Kenny Lawler's making 285 this season. The only other receiver more than that is Eugene Lewis at 320. And then there's a big gap between Lawler and any other receiver in the CFL who are all closer to that $200,000 range, a little bit over. So those options did not materialize for Dalton Schoen and his camp. I'm told five teams inquired on the first day of the communication window. Two teams who were not involved in those calls were Hamilton and Montreal. I was surprised on both fronts. The Ticats have money to spend with Duke Williams being gone. The Alouettes need to add some firepower to that receiving core following Austin Mack's departure for the NFL. But at the end of the day, the Bombers gave him $230,000. I don't think there was a much bigger market for Dalton Schoen. Again, if a team had gotten to 285-290, I think he leaves. But if you're not going to hit a grand slam on that contract, I don't think there's any reason for Dalton Schoen to leave Winnipeg, a team that originally I think their offer was all right around that 200-210 mark, and they didn't have to come up a whole heck of a lot with the communications window opening to get him. For Brady, I'm not surprised to see him back because he's a Winnipeg guy. But what I was surprised was some of the numbers that Dunk reported. Oh, man, that, that market for Brady Oliveira was red 
hot. The BC Lions, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a couple of teams that maybe haven't been as focused on running the ball, at least in the last couple of years, coming in hot. And by the way, Jermarcus Hardrick going to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. I'm led to believe Winnipeg's offer topped out at 180 for Hardrick. I don't blame him for leaving for Saskatchewan for 230. He's going to make almost $100,000 more over the next two years than he would have staying in the peg. So am I surprised the Bombers were able to keep Schoen and Oliveira? Count me in as yes. Even with Hardrick leaving, those two skill guys, they earned it, but they're getting a ton of money, and it's going to put the squeeze on Winnipeg's cap elsewhere on the roster. I certainly expected one of those two players to be back in some capacity, but the fact that they were able to land both at what essentially amounts to sweetheart deals, especially in the case of Brady Oliveira, given the numbers that Dunk reported, $275,000 on the table in Hamilton, over two fifty on the table in BC, and he takes two thirty to stay in Winnipeg. Obviously, he is committed to that organization and to his hometown. It, it, it surprised me when both those deals were announced in quick succession, but the Bombers do have a little bit of wiggle room here because they're losing some pieces elsewhere on the roster. You mentioned Jamarcus Hardrick. Obviously, he gets a huge deal elsewhere that's going to make him the highest paid American offensive lineman in the CFL next season. He wasn't making that last year, but he was certainly making a significant chunk of change. You take that off the books and replace it with a rookie or a young American on a near minimum contract. That's going to give you some savings. And then you've got a number of players who are also still pending free agents where it looks like they may not be back in Winnipeg. Jackson Jeffcoat's status is up in the air. You can potentially have some savings there with a guy like Celestin Haba stepping up in his second year into more of a starting role if you let Jeffcoat walk. Also at the kicker position, I don't think it's been talked enough about enough. Sergio Castillo, they may not be paying him. Brandon Alexander at safety is still a pending free agent. Winston Rose, as we all know, lost his starting job down the stretch next year doesn't appear like he's going to be back so there are little chunks of change that you're pulling from all sorts of different parts of your roster that combine if you lean on your scouting staff with the return of Ted Gavaya and Danny McManus who we know find talent as well if not better than anyone in the CFL you can replace some of those guys for rookie minimum deals, and that's how you find the cash to pay these two extremely talented players. I'm not surprised that either player is back in Winnipeg for different reasons. Brady Oliveira, hometown kid, Wade Miller, a Winnipeg born and bred dude himself. I think they call them Winnipeggers out there, right, Hodge? That's correct. And I didn't ever think Miller was going to let Oliveira leave, especially being in the prime of his career. He's still 26 years old. I don't care what J.C has to say about running backs, the league has spoken on their valuation in this instance in terms of a Canadian running back coming off a historic season with still lots of, I hate this cliche, but tread left on the tires, or I think it'd be better said in the prime of his career. I think Oliveira is well worth that money, especially when you consider what it means to the fan base there in Winnipeg to get him back. Dalton Schoen, I didn't ever think really wanted to leave because of how close he is with Zach Kalaros and also how much Kalaros loves having him, not just on the field, but around. It's very clear that culture Mike O'Shea has built 
is based on people. And the Bombers believe you win with people. And Caleros wanted Schoen to stay there. They end up getting the deal done. Yes, he takes less, just like Oliveira, to stay. But there's that chance, you would imagine, again, at playoff money in the Western semifinal, Western final, or the Grey Cup with this core that the Bombers have kept in place. So I think that this played out probably how some people in the Winnipeg front office felt like it was going to play out because they knew the market was going to be there for Jamarcus Hardrick and that it was probably going to take $200,000 at a minimum to entice him to come back to Winnipeg. But Hodge, as you said on the pod just a few moments ago, when that number was at 180, that kind of told you that Hardrick was going to leave and that would allow you to have the extra funds to re-sign Oliveira and Schoen. Brady Oliveira spoke, and we're recording this podcast, by the way, around 1 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. I feel it's important to note that because obviously yes. in free agency, things move really fast. And we're, I'm a little worried that some things we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show could be outdated by the time we get this podcast posted. But hopefully all will will run smoothly. Oliveira spoke to the media via Zoom earlier today from Bali, where he is currently saving and rescuing stray dogs, which as a dog owner myself, I greatly appreciate. Um, But he talked about talking to AJ Olette through this process, and he talked about the fact that he has, quote, mad respect for AJ Olette, a guy who he says plays the running back position the right way. I think Brady was very pleased to bring some respect back to that position. And he said, you know, there's lots of guys in the CFL who make a lot of money who touch the ball three or four times a game. And in his view, it's time for players who touch the ball 15 or 20 times a game to make a bigger piece of the pie, which I I think is obviously perfectly fair. One other thing I do want to touch on, though, is the fact that he said this process was stressful. He said it was like a roller coaster. And he said there were times where the conversations between him and Winnipeg and, of course, The Bombers had his rights. They did not need to wait for this window to get a deal done. They could have talked to him at any time, gotten it done any time in December, January, whatever. This came pretty late in the game. He said the communication between the two sides went quiet at times. And speaking to other sources around the league, boys, that is a bit of a theme here. I talked to a couple of sources who even went as far as to call the Bombers disorganized through this free agent process and maybe not being as responsive as they needed to be. So at least from Brady's sense, it's clear he didn't want to leave Winnipeg. He wanted to be back with the Blue Bombers. But I don't think it would be fair to say there was never a chance he was going to leave or that it wasn't a serious chance of him leaving because evidently he did go through this process at times feeling like his future would not be in Bomberland. Again, he's happy to be back. I know the club is happy to have him back. But there were legitimate moments through this process where this was not a clear resolution or a foregone conclusion whatsoever. It took, I think, the other teams, though, Hodge, with those lucrative offers to bump this number up and maybe nudge that Winnipeg front office to be more responsive to get their star player back. Perhaps they wanted to gauge and really see how other teams felt about Oliveira around the CFL. And that's very clear that at least the BC Lions and the Hamilton Tiger Cats valued him at a very high price. It should be noted the Toronto Argonauts did check in on Oliveira, but didn't feel like they could compete 
from a price range standpoint. Also, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders did about the same thing as well. But when they realized what he was garnering in terms of offers, not even what he was asking for, but what he was getting in terms of offers, realized that he wasn't going to fit into their cap structure as well. So JC, at least in this instance, your running back take is dead wrong. Look, I understand that Brady Oliveira is a Canadian ratio breaker, and that increases his value even in my mind. And you all, you both know that I wouldn't pay any running backs. I'd pay a little bit more for a Canadian running back simply because of the ratio advantage there. Do I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats potentially paying him $275,000 when they already have a perfectly competent back. I would argue a very good back in James Butler on their roster is absolutely insane. Yes. Yes. I think paying him $275,000. But Butler was a back that the BC Lions decided to move on from and BC couldn't find a running back that they were confident enough in. So they went and put a big offer in front of Brady Oliveira. And oh, by the way, went out and signed another running back, JC. So this to me continues to prove that running backs are not as interchangeable, at least in the CFL, as you seem to claim that they are. I mean, Butler is very good. I just said that. I, I don't I don't know why you felt the need to bring up that BC moved on from him last year. I mean, just he simply wasn't worth the price point in their mind. Their financial situation has changed. They believe they need that piece to go over the top. We'll see what the uh what William Stampak's impact is on that offense if it proves to be worth it rather than paying a different position, right? But but Butler to me, despite the 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 biggest difference between him and Oliveira is that he is American, right? And to me, also their the playing style. Extra, too, I mean, I mean, they're slightly different backs, yes. But I mean, in terms of the production you're getting, Butler's still a thousand yard back. He's still an all star caliber back. He can still catch passes out of the back backfield at a very high level. I would argue, you know, in terms of his talent level and performance last year, he may have been maybe the second best player on that Ticats team. I mean, certainly like Tim White is up there, but James Butler was, was an engine when they gave him the ball. I can't dismiss that. It's just not as an effective way to play offense as some other ways. Uh, But is that worth, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I believe Butler made 130, something like that last year. Is it worth another $145,000 to bring in, Brady Oliveira? I don't think so. To me, that's an excessive amount of cost for the – Will would there be a slight uptick in production, a slight advantage? Potentially, yes. But it's not worth $175,000. Certainly not in my mind. That would have been absurd. No, I be, I, I meant in terms of the, the uptick in, in price from Butler to Oliveira, not the overall cost. Gotcha. Um, it would be, yeah. It, there, there are better places to spend that on a roster that I think desperately needs talent at a number of different spots. I don't think you can build a team simply on Brady Oliveira as a running back. Now the Ticats have solid talent on the offensive line, so that helps. They can plug and play a running back, but they need talent elsewhere. That would have been that would have been inappropriate spending in my mind. Keep in mind, the Ticats, at this point, 
might have the ninth best quarterbacking in the CFL. And mm-hmm. with that, money to spend. But I get, I get both sides of the argument. A number of Three Down Nation's other top pending free agents have agreed to terms with teams around the league, including Adarius Pickett to Ottawa, Jamal Peters to Hamilton, and Jameer Thurman, Jamarcus Hardrick, and A.J. Olette to Saskatchewan. Which of those signings, J.C., do you like the most? I think there's some fantastic ones here, and and Corey Mace in Saskatchewan is clearly showing why he was brought in, his ability to attract top-tier talent this early in the process has been impressive. Everyone's going to focus on A.J. Ouellette, and I have no doubt that he is going to be a fantastic marketing piece for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He fits the mentality of that city perfectly. People are already tweaking Thor's hammer all the time from Saskatchewan. Uh, But you can't have a good running back without a good offensive line. So for me... The best deal here is bringing in Jamarcus Hardrick, who I think a lot of people and fans around the CFL had simply written off as a guy who was just going to go back to Winnipeg like he always has gone back to Winnipeg. Well, they have to pay a pretty penny to get him. They make him the highest paid American offensive lineman in the league. But in doing so, they cement that tackle position, which has been a problem for them and was a bit of a turnstile last year with a number of injuries. And they get a guy who can both pass protect at a high level and who can run block at a high level. And if they get that offensive line together, that will be the key to making A.J. Ouellette maximize the deal that they paid him because running backs are reliant on their offensive line. So you bring in one of the best in the business at that, at a position where, let's be frank, gentlemen, there are not very many tackles on the market who can come in and play at a high level. There is a dearth of talent at that position across all of football. The NFL is experiencing it as well. The CFL is certainly hurting in that trickle-down effect. Jamarcus Hardrick is a veteran who is an exception to that rule, who can come in and play at a high level level he is i would argue perhaps the best deal in all of free agency thus far i mostly agree with what jc has to say and also with what he said about aj Ouellette and saskatchewan there's going to be so much talk about him but i'll go in a little bit of a different direction here i like what ottawa did to get Adarius pickett to try and turn this team over give it a different feel and certainly be more physical pickett's going to hit you in the mouth no matter what he's doing He's comfortable. He's been in Baron Miles' defense before. Those two have been together. That was part of what helped get this deal done for Pickett to go to the nation's capital. And I really like what Sean Burke is doing here. And guys, we've been on this podcast before, and I'll say mostly you two, analyzing and somewhat chastising, I'll say, Burke for re-signing some of those older Red Blacks pieces, Nigel Romick and some of those other guys being in that conversation. But he's turned this roster over, right? He released Jacob Ruby, went and got Deruj Bladek in there because he felt like that would make them a more physical football team. Same thing here with Pickett. And I think that's certainly something you could say about Dominic Rimes from a physicality standpoint and also having a big body in that receiving core. So I like the Pickett signing for the mentality and the different energy that he can bring to Ottawa. I... I really love the Hardrick signing. I love the Pickett signing, but I'm going to go in a different direction because I'm not just going to sit here and repeat what you guys have. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I'm going to say Jamal Peters Ooh. to the Hamilton Tiger Cats because I remember distinctly the opening game of the 2023 season. Everybody's talking about Bo Levi Mitchell and how he might look in Hamilton. They, of course, opened the season at what was formerly known as IG Field, but is now known as Princess Auto Stadium in Winnipeg. And I remember watching the secondary for the Thai Cats. It was a bit of a patchwork unit. They had Kenneth George Jr. at boundary corner. Javian Elliott was starting. Lawrence Woods was starting at field corner. And I remember thinking, I think the Bombers put up something like 42 points in that game. This secondary is going to kill the Ticats. And that might be a bit disrespectful. I know that George Jr. improved over the course of the season. Um, and, and Richard Leonard, though he's not yet under contract for 2024, was very good at field half. Stavros Katzentonis, I think, upgraded that unit as well when he took over the starting role at safety. But this was a team that desperately needed to add a playmaker to that secondary, a guy with some length, a guy with physicality, a guy who can generate turnovers and take away that boundary wide receiver spot where a lot of CFL teams play their best target. So to me, this was an excellent move for the Ticats. The defensive back market, unlike the running back market and the offensive tackle market is going down, not up. Dietrich Nichols was the highest paid American defensive back in the CFL prior to this deal being done. He was only making 140, which is now apparently half the going rate for elite running backs and almost 50% less than the going rate for top American offensive tackles. So this wasn't a position where you had to spend the sun, the moon, and the stars to get a top talent. And I think one can argue that Jamal Peters is the best cornerback in the CFL. He is now calling Steeltown home, and he's going to help breathe some life into a really young unit last year that that just needs some guidance, needs a little bit of a spark, I think, heading into 2024. Before we move on, is there any player in the CFL who gets less love but does more on the field than Jameer Thurman? Because this guy, for me, in in the last couple of years, at least, he has played at an all-star caliber level, yet has never received an all-star nod. And he's probably one of the least talked about guys in terms of these early free agency signings. But he's going to have a massive impact in improving that Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense. I loved that move, and I feel like we need to just mention it in passing. That linebacking core for Saskatchewan, not only are they adding Thurman, but Dunk, you reported today that Adam Eau is coming over from Ottawa. Obviously, they moved on from Derek Moncrief earlier this offseason. They'll have C.J. Rivas in that Sam linebacker spot. Now Thurman instead of Larry Dean. Adam Eau presumably instead of Micah Tights. To me, that's a much improved group across the board, a much more versatile group than what they had last year in that linebacking core. I think they're going to do some special things in Regina next season. I've got a super quick Jameer Thurman story. I met Jameer at Grey Cup 
at some of the festivities that were going on in Steeltown at the convention center. And I was chatting with them and I said, where where are you from originally? He says, Chicago. I'm like, oh, Chicago. I'm from Winnipeg, Chicago of the North, which is a comparison that is often made, partly due to the early 20th century infrastructure that was built in both cities and the rapid growth of both cities. And he didn't say anything, but the look that he gave me made it seem as though he was deeply offended deeply offended <laughs> that I compared his hometown to my hometown and that I was a complete moron for even suggesting that Winnipeg was like Chicago. So that is my only face-to-face interaction with Shabir Thurman. But he is a hell of a player, and I, I appreciate JCU highlighting that move because, yeah, he is a quiet player. He's an under-the-radar player, but he is a very solid linebacker. And he's somebody who doesn't date back to Corey Mace's tenure in Toronto. He dates all the way back to Corey Mace's tenure in Calgary, which is neat that they've they've kept that connection for all these years. Some top-tier players remain pending free agents, including defensive end Matthew Betts, receiver Tim White, defensive back Richard Leonard, and defensive end A.C. Leonard. Why do you think these players have not yet agreed to new to new deals. Each of them is a much different case. I'll touch on Betts and Tim White. So first and foremost for Betts, he has real legitimate NFL interest. That's something that, you know, some people want to slough off sometimes, but it's real, it's legitimate. It's a process that he's going to have to go through. And some of what he decides and the factors are going to be how much guaranteed money could he potentially get on an NFL contract he worked out for three teams I believe all of those took place in December the Detroit Lions the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns all of those teams went to the playoffs so there's a different timeline there for them signing people to those what do they call them futures contracts so I think that's still to be determined for bets because he can command that kind of top of the market money in the CFL. If you're talking about Brady Oliveira, the reigning most outstanding Canadian and CFL all-star running back, getting an offer for $275,000 per season. Well, what can Betts get who's Canadian, a little bit older than Oliveira, but is the most outstanding defensive player in the league. You would imagine he would at minimum be in that price range. And there is still some money left out there, I think for Betts to get in the CFL, but the NFL is definitely going to play a factor as for Tim White. That's a really unique situation. I was told he was asking for up to as much as $320,000, but I don't think that he's going to be able to net that Geno Lewis kind of money with way things have played out here. The Hamilton Tiger Cats would be a natural landing spot, but he hasn't been re-signed there. There was some talk about him potentially having some interest, but the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I was told that was never going to be the case, that Jeremy O'Day wasn't going to invest that kind of money in receivers after having learned his lesson back from what he did in 2022 at that position. Plus, the Riders have a pretty nice receiving core already with Sean Bain Jr. leading the way, Kean Schaefer-Baker, Sam Emelis. I know some people like to call him Emelis. And Jareth Stearns. There's one guy I'm forgetting too, Braden Lenius, and some intriguing guys like Geronimo Allison that they've brought in. So I think what the Ticats are trying to do with White is be patient and wait this out and get him down to a somewhat more of a workable number because bets could potentially still be in play for Hamilton. I'm not saying those two are going to affect each other, but White might have to come down 
That said, I'm all for a player trying to get what they feel their value is. Just in case I have to be the bad guy here, I need to say something to Tim White, which is you are not Eugene Lewis. Tim White is an excellent football player, a very good receiver, I think a top five receiver in this CFL. However, the only two players in the CFL making more than $250,000 at the receiver position are, in my opinion, the two guys who can consistently separate and and beat man coverage and make those contested catches. And that is Eugene Lewis and Kenny Lawler. And Tim White, you know, we just saw this with Dalton Schoen, who's a player I would put right there with Tim White, a guy who can stretch the field, who could be intuitive, make some tough catches, you know, who can pull away, like has that speed, but maybe not necessarily somebody who can dominate man coverage on a consistent basis. Dalton Schoen went to market looking for 300, and he came home with 230. Tim White is almost surely going to have to do the same thing. I'm not saying Tim White's a bad receiver. I'm not saying he's a $100,000 receiver, but he is certainly not a $320,000 receiver. So for that reason, I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats have been smart to slow play this. They haven't panicked. They haven't made some type of lucrative offer. I think he will be back in Steel Town. And uh, I think the Tiger Cats, again, are smart for slow playing this, letting Tim White go to the market and see, hey, you, this this $320,000 offer that you're wanting, sorry, but it's not coming because I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just speaking for myself. I don't think it's coming. So Tim White, I think that is the holdup, is the hope that that, that lucrative number is going to come. Now, boys, I got to say, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. For me, the, the fascinating situation here is bets, right? Because of that NFL interest or potential NFL interest. He's one of the rare players, and I'm going to steal this from you, Hodge. You shared it in our group chat, but you didn't say it, so I'm going to say it. A rare player who can use NFL interest as leverage in CFL negotiations, right? Because he's 29 years old. He knows his NFL window is almost closed. He's not sure how much of a legitimate shot he would get if he was brought in for training camp in the NFL. He knows... There's some better money there, but how sustainable is that going to be long-term? He can use that opportunity against CFL teams and say, hey, if you're not going to give me $300,000, then I'll take this NFL offer. I don't I don't need to accept less than that. I can come back when there's some more cash next year and get another bidding war. Just I have other options. I have other places where I can make some good money, even if it is for just a short time or just for an opportunity. Matthew Betts has that ability. I know certainly the BC Lions, that $250,000 that they were waving at Brady Oliveira, certainly that money should have pivoted now to Matthew Betts. I expect the same to be true of the Hamilton Tiger Cats with the $275,000 that they were focused on Brady Oliveira. They have been reportedly interested in Matthew Betts, and I'm sure now both of those teams have a little bit more cash to play with because they know that's no longer an option at running back. If they want that ratio breaker to either stay at home or join them, they are going to need to back up the Brinks truck for Matthew Betts. And frankly, he deserves it at a position that is far more impactful for your football team 
then running back Matthew Betts as the elite pass rusher in the CFL. For these other two players, the two Leonards, Richard Leonard and Hamilton and AC Leonard in Edmonton, to be frank, I, I think age here is, is playing a huge factor. Both of these guys are 32 years old. Richard Leonard was fantastic last season. We know he's played halfback at an all-star caliber level. He moved to corner last year based on the analytics, was as good as any player in the CFL at doing that job. But DBs don't last forever, and they don't get paid a bunch of money, and they're basically a turnstile of a position. And so he's expecting a pay raise that I doubt he's going to get at his age. AC Leonard, similar things, 12 sacks last season. He's looking to market. He thinks he's going to get a big jump in salary, get what he has earned with that tremendous season. But people will look at him and say he's up there in age, and he is a guy who produced a large number of plays for a very bad football team that didn't have a whole lot of other options. And does that inflate his production beyond what was potentially merited. I think those are the things that are going in to the conversations with the two Leonards. I don't think either of them are going to get what they might have expected out there on the market based on the caliber of player that they are. I do think Richard Leonard has a chance to get signed because he's a guy that has proven to be relatively quiet, is a hard worker, and can play multiple spots in the secondary. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he's up there in age. I think he's 32, if I'm not mistaken. But yep. I think he's a guy that you know can slot in now that all or most of I should say the big free agent money has been spent, where you know you can get a bit of value bringing Leonard in, who can play multiple spots in your secondary. Like I don't understand why the Hamilton Tiger Cats wouldn't want him back. Yes, they paid Jamal Peters, but Leonard was pretty good for them last year. The Argos just had their secondary kind of rated a little bit with Peter's gone, but they have so many young people there. You know, I wondered if Winnipeg would potentially be a fit with Leonard after Demario Houston agreed to terms with the Calgary Stampeders. And there's some other secondaries out there where I think Leonard could fit as well, but it seems like he might fall into the category. Like a lot of guys, there's a pretty quality list of pending free agents who have yet to agree to terms. And for the uninitiated, this is the new, free agency okay free agency started a week early because if you haven't agreed to terms yet then you're probably being looked at by teams as a player that could sign a value deal and I think it speaks to in one instance or perspective the Canadian depth that's been built up because you look at some of these Canadian offensive linemen that are still out there like a Landon Rice or Jacob Ruby or Ryan Sevier those guys are proven starters but there's so many spots that are already filled around the league that they might have to wait if they don't get a sixth or seventh man deal here from one of the teams around the league until there's an injury. And same thing for some of these other spots. So I think we're seeing here the depth be built up, especially among the national players and the impact that the merging of the USFL and the XFL has had with the UFL, where we've seen a bunch of signings happen in January of teams stocking up on these players, guys. I would argue, and this isn't obviously analytically based, but that's probably the most amount of signings that we've seen in January outside of the teams re-signing their own proven players in the entire time that at least I've been covering the CFL for about a decade. I agree, well, yes. And and yeah. one thing I will say, I do think there's a market for one of these veteran Canadian offensive linemen in BC. 
where they've needed a left guard for years. But I think that is being held up by the Matthew Betts deal. So depending on what happens with Betts, I do think we will see one of Ryan Sevier or Jacob Ruby or Sean Jamieson or Jeff Gray end up there. But you're right. Right now for Canadian offensive linemen, it is a buyer's market, which is not what we usually see in the CFL. When one of these guys goes to free agency, it is usually very much in favor of the players and the teams are scrambling. This year seems to be the opposite. I think the other factor at play there, you mentioned Dunk on the American side, you know, the influx of talent coming in because of the less the the reduction of spots in spring football and guys being more willing to come to the CFL. It's an apt point on the American side. Part of this, the reason why there's less of a market for Canadian offensive linemen, I believe, is this is an extremely good draft for Canadian offensive linemen. There is there's been a bunch of very poor drafts for Canadian offensive linemen in a row. Teams are hungry for them. And all of a sudden, all at once, there's a huge influx of incredibly talented guys. Now, some of them are going to get NFL opportunities. Some of them are going to go there for a year and come back. But there's going to be a bunch that are going to go straight to the CFL and are going to be impact players. I think there are a couple of plug-and-play potential starters in this draft group, which you don't always see. And teams are sort of anticipating that, hey, if we can play the wigging game with these guys, maybe we can add some young talent, really rebuild our offensive line through the draft. And if we don't get the guys we like or they don't look good enough, it doesn't look like anyone else is making a move for these guys. So they may be available as a value signing down the line if we are truly desperate. So I think the draft is also playing an impact on that offensive line market. You know, there used to be this bogus thought out there among some American personnel men that there was enough Canadians. That is not more further from the truth than today. Okay, I don't want to hear another American personnel man or coach <laughs> complain about the lack of talent coming out of Canada and starting nationals. We have enough nationals to easily have a 10th team and perhaps get to Randy's pipe dream of 12. That's the CFL's issue to get to 10, 11, or 12 to fill those rosters out and probably then some. So I don't want to hear it anymore from these American personnel men and coaches. And, you know, you hear some of these stories behind the scenes. I'll get on the soapbox a little bit about these coaches berating Canadians behind the scenes. Stop it. When you give Canadians an opportunity, Brady Oliveira, Matthew Betts, arguably the top two free agents pending, I should say, in this class because Oliveira went back and Betts is still on the market. They can be just as good as the Americans. That's nothing against the Americans. The sheer number gives them the benefit of the doubt in terms of producing high-quality CFL players. But the Canadians are here, and there are waves and waves and waves of them coming. So stop it with those bogus excuses anymore, please. I don't want to hear it. The only, the only thing I will add to that quickly, though, as much as there's a bunch of offensive linemen currently available who are Canadian, by the time the CFL gets to 12 teams, it's likely they will have all died of old age. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even by the time they get to 10. Maybe by the time they get to 10 at this rate. <laughs> oh, boys, you crack me up. A number of signings and agreements involving players outside of our top 30 pending free agents have also been made. Isaac Adeyemi Berglund to Montreal. Jack Kassar re-signing in Toronto. Jalen Edwards-Cooper to Saskatchewan. William Stanback the veteran running back to BC, and Matthew Schiltz 
to Calgary of these more, I guess you could say, under-the-radar signings. Which do you like most and why? One guy who did not make the top 30 and probably wouldn't have even made the top 50, but I'm excited to see is Mason Bennett going back to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because he is from Winnipeg, though he didn't play his college ball here. He played south of the border at North Dakota. But he's a player who had five sacks in 2022 as a part-time starter for that team. This past year was relegated to backup duty and I think has been, as part of being brought back to Steeltown, promised at least a very real opportunity to start at defensive end. This is a team that, as of right now, like last year, they had Jonathan Congbo and Jamal Davis and Jagera Davis and everybody and their aunt was playing defensive end for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. <laughs> this year is a different story. They spent a ton of money on Brandon Barlow from the Toronto Argonauts. I think he's going to do very nice things. They've obviously invested in the middle. Casey Sales is still there from last year. Dwayne Hendricks coming over from the Toronto Argonauts. But Mason Bennett, I think, right now is penciled in as that second starter at defensive end, it's possible that Matthew Betts is eventually the guy there. Maybe this is a team that brings in a guy like a Jackson Jeffcoat, who, from what I understand, is currently courting offers from three different CFL teams. But right now, Bennett is that guy. And he had a down year in 2023, but the coaching staff has turned over in Hamilton, as we'll talk a little bit about later in the show. And I think that that's going to give Bennett a chance to reach some of that potential that he flashed in 2022 because again this is a guy who is a first round pick for a reason has a high ceiling and i'm excited to see what he can do as we'll call it a, a reinvigorated process here with the tie cats in 24 well i'm out here on the on the left coast in vancouver and i know a lot of fans are extremely excited about the addition of running back william standback who's a bit of a misnomer here because he did in fact make our top 30, but running backs are so irrelevant that you guys forgot that and stuck them on here anyway. So I'm not going to talk about William Stadbeck. I'm going to talk about somebody else. And that is a former member of the BC Lions, Jalen Edwards Cooper, who heads to Saskatchewan. I thought Jalen Edwards Cooper was an extremely underrated player last season for the Lions. He spent three years sort of developing and growing into his role. Gary Peters, for me, at the opposite corner, is the best player in the CFL at that position. However, the Lions don't move him around. They don't match him up to the best receivers. If you go to the other side, they are they were perfectly comfortable with the best receivers on any team going up against Jalen Edwards Cooper. And he did an admirable job that I think one of his best skill sets is his ability to come down and get physical. I think he's one of the best tacklers in the flats that there is in the league. He's going to be an upgrade at that corner position for the Rough Riders. And I think he's really going to shine next year in Saskatchewan. For me of this group, and I guess we should probably leave William Stan back out of it because JC's right, he was in our top 30. True. I was a proponent of putting the running backs in there and John Hodge. It wasn't jumbo cheese, okay? Just so people know. The guy <laughs> I don't think pick... anybody will ever be surprised to hear you say that. That is the <laughs> least ne- that is the least necessary confirmation I've ever heard. <laughs> Needed to be on the record. Sorry, buddy. Fair enough. I'm going to go with Matt Schiltz going to Calgary because I think this shows Jake Mayer that, you know, you better pull up those socks and your pants and play some quality football or you could be on the bench. Schiltz has starting experience. The Tiger Cats really 
were high on him for a period of time. But I think Schultz looked at that situation in Hamilton and thought, you know, Taylor Powell played a decent amount last year and Scott Milanovic was on the record kind of throwing vulnerable bouquets, excuse me, at Bolivar Mitchell and Taylor Powell. Now, he wasn't directly asked about Schultz from my memory. He probably thought, you know, I have a better chance to get on the field potentially in Calgary if Mayor doesn't play well. But I really like it from the Stampeders perspective to bring him in and put a little bit of heat on Jake Mayer because it's one thing for Mayer to play last year as a new face of the franchise with really a bunch of inexperienced guys behind him. I know there's some players on that roster that people like Tommy Stevens and Logan Bonner, but still you have a veteran guy who started and won football games in the CFL before right behind you. So it could push Mayer to a new level or Schultz gets an opportunity. Speaking of the quarterbacks, we'll, we'll move on in a sec. But I think it's really interesting now with Schiltz going to Calgary. There's really only one opening for a backup quarterback. And one team that is on the record saying they want a veteran backup quarterback, and that is the BC Lions. And there's two guys currently available in Jake Dolagala and Taylor Cornelius. That is never a good place to be as a player or an agent where there's two guys for one spot because, of course, it becomes, again, a buyer's market. And a team can lowball both and say, well, hey, if you want to come, that's great. If you want to sit and and wait on your next opportunity, feel free. Be my guest. And so I'm curious to see what happens between these two players. Things have been awfully quiet about Dola Gala. Cornelius is actually free to sign right now. He was cut by the Elks, of course, several weeks ago. So, you know, the quarterback position was not a position of strength heading into free agency. That was especially the case after Chris Treveller inked his deal in Winnipeg, but that quarterback position now, two guys for one spot, not optimal to be either of those young quarterbacks. It's now time for Hodges Heritage Moment. On this day in 1996, Dan Kepley was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. The North Carolina native played 10 seasons with Edmonton from 1975 to 1984 and was named a CFL All-Star for five consecutive years. Kepley was named the league's most outstanding defensive player three times and remains one of four players ever to capture the award more than twice. Adam Big Hill is one. Willie Pless is another. Who's the other one? Is it James Quick Parker? Maybe? I have to double check that. He won six great cups as a player and two while serving as an assistant coach in Edmonton. Obviously, JC, you're too young to remember Dan Kepley. Dunk, I'm curious if you have any memories of Kepley, though that might even be before your time. My favorite memory of Dan Kepley is him coaching my brother, Adam Dunk, who was an outstanding linebacker at the University of Guelph in the World Global Junior Championships at the old Pontiac Silverdome, which, by the way, Team Canada won. And I remember seeing Kepley. I was there in person, obviously, watching my bro ball out and looking at his hands. And they were so mangled. But that dude did not care. He loved football. My brother would talk about how into it he was with these guys, even though he was only with them for a short term because of the tournament structure and how all that kind of stuff works. This guy was fired up, full of energy, and just loved football. So I'll never forget that memory of Kepley. Kepley was an icon, obviously, before my time, but I grew up in a Edmonton household that loved the green and gold to its very core. And Kepley and all those icons were something that was shared and passed down to me. Certainly, 
one of the greatest, I think, unit names of all time, the Alberta Crew defense. That is, I'll stack that up with any name in sports anywhere. I think that is absolutely iconic. Let's go to the three-minute drill. The Ottawa Red Blacks have signed Canadian offensive lineman Dariusz Bladek, the Polish prince, to replace Jacob Ruby, who was cut ahead of an off-season roster bonus. Is that a good flip for them? I think it is. No disrespect to Jacob Ruby, who I think is a solid player. I think Bladek is a better run blocker. And between him and Drew Desjardins, there's going to be some nastiness on the inside of that Red Blacks O-line. The Hamilton Tiger Cats finalized their coaching staff, hiring former Winnipeg Blue Bombers special teams coordinator Paul Boudreau to replace Jeff Reinbold. Is that a good move? Never hurts to add some experience to a coaching staff. I know Boudreau has... Had some struggles with that Winnipeg unit, certainly last season, maybe even the last couple of seasons, which led that team to deem him expendable. But we'll see if he can turn it around in Hamilton. I really liked the majority of the staff. I like that Milanovic is adding former CFL players, notable names, guys like Naaman Roosevelt, and Brandon Isaacs, who have had a year or two of experience elsewhere, guys he has coached before. I think they're going to do very well there in Steeltown. The Montreal Alouettes re-signed running back Walter Fletcher and don't appear to be adding another big name at the position in free agency. Will he be the team's starter in 2024? Things can change if the Alouettes don't add Kadeem Carey or Jamal Morrow, who as of this recording have not agreed to terms with the team yet. Then I do believe that Fletcher has the inside track to be the number one running back there. And I think he'll share that back field with Canadian running back Jeshron Antwi as well, if they don't bring in anyone else. Hodge, you asked Chris Strevler about Boomer Esiason's commentary from his NFL debut in 2021, and he called it unfair to the CFL. Surely the story won't go any further, right? Uh, no, the story does go further, and I would encourage anybody interested to pay close attention to Three Down Nation this weekend and tune into Jeez. next week's show because this this does go further. It really does. Former CFL linebacker Dexter McCoyle has been named the defensive coordinator at Texas State. Are you impressed with how quickly he's climbed the coaching ranks? It's extremely impressive. He is a guy that a lot of people in NCAA circles have circled as a guy who can be a real riser, who has a very bright future. He's only, I think, 32 or 33 years of age, three years removed from being a player himself, is already a D coordinator at an FBS school that is virtually unheard of. I don't think this is the last time that we hear the name Dexter McCoyle. Simone Lawrence beat Taylor Swift. In a Hamilton named the plow contest, the new snowplow will be dubbed Snowmoney Lawrence, edging out Taylor Drift. Will Simi HOV be back in Steeltown? There's a long shot possibility here, but can I just say, you know, with all due respect to our colleague Ryan Ballantyne, that you can't just put plow in people's <laughs> names and try to call it a snowplow. Like, that just does not work. Snowmoney Lawrence is unbelievable. Taylor Drift is at least a little bit creative. So, Ballantyne, go back to the drawing board, <laughs> ask your wife or your kids, my man, and stop just putting plow when you throw out these ideas for possible 
future articles. I don't know why I just laughing so much. But we'll keep it rolling. I just I love that the audience has no context for what you're talking about. Well, I'm giving them the context. Valentine just chat. put plow in CFL players' <laughs> names, <laughs> trying to make them part of a potential contest for a piece that we may or may not. Right, on Hold on, I, I gotta I gotta read some of his suggestions. <laughs> I, I need to find these. Hold on. Oh, I, I can't see them right away. That's okay. Oh, that's okay. I do well, think just, I'll talk about just search, Simone search Lawrence plow. and you find it. Yeah, just search plow, it'll be there. I, I searched plow, it's not popping up. Oh, they gotta be there. It's not that far back. In the three down nation WhatsApp group chat is what Hodge is referring to. I do think there's probably, you know, a long shot chance of Simone Lawrence being back in Hamilton so he could potentially one day maybe drive his aptly named plow or the plow that's named after him but you know i don't sense that there's a big market for him and usually and we talked about it earlier in the podcast when you get to this stage of what is i believe the new free agency then it's going to be hard to find a contract there's a possibility there jordan williams can play mac can play will and there's no other certain person there that you would look at right now that could start at that weak side linebacker spot that lawrence has been at for so long but We'll have to see what the future holds. Did you find it, Hodge? Oh, I got them. <laughs> Please read them, JC. <laughs> okay. Oh. They're they're not all plow, but they are bad. <laughs> they're so they're so bad. <laughs> Snow Takey Mitchell. <laughs> Terrible. What? A, da- a Darius Plowbot? I don't know. That- <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, no, no. Say it one more time. A Darius Plowbot. So, no, no. no. So, so, really? Yes. yes. Pl- That's terrible. That is terrible. There's Randy. And plowsy? <laughs> that's okay. And no, that's and then, awful. And then he, gi- <laughs> he, he gives us a, a, cho- a choice here. There is a choice on the next one. You can either have Wally Plowdo, or, or if that you're not sold on that one, there's Wally Wado Plow. That's terrible. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! That I'm is the worst. I'm losing uh, it. I'm literally crying over my face. I have not too. laughed so hard since <laughs> the term Jean Auge was invented. I just can't even. Yeah, you're you're not like. Oh my god! Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Thanks for those, Ryan. I just remember uh, looking no. at his suggestions because of what's up group dinging, and pretty much in this period of time, as you know, Jean will know, and somewhat you see, every time my phone makes a sound, like I'm just on pins and needles, right? I'm trying to figure out what yep. it is, and here come through these plow suggestions one by one by one in the group chat, and I'm thinking, Valentine. First of all, these are terrible. And second of all, <laughs> most importantly, this is the worst time for you to be making notifications on oh, my phone, phone, okay? I told you, he tried uh-huh. to put Plow in people's names. Like, John Hodge Plow. Well, come on. In, fair, in fairness, Plow. JC John Plow. Plow. Like, come on. Jay Plow Abbott, what a... <laughs> Thanks, Justin Plow. The, <laughs> the, worst, 
The worst one doesn't even have plow in it. It's Snow Takey Mitchell. <laughs> that one just takes the cake. Not man. even Snow. Like, wait, hold, he, in his defense, that's probably supposed to. That's probably a typo. It's probably Snow Levi Mitchell, which is somewhat creative. No, no, it's it's take and then dash I. The take is important to him. Oh my god! I mean, in all fairness, Snow Levi Mitchell makes sense. Snow Takey Mitchell might be unfair, but and we we love Valentine. Yes, this is all in fun, okay? Because oh my gosh, same emailer emailing us and saying we shouldn't be ribbing each other. Like, can you laugh? Look at the sun. (laughs) Put a smile on your face, okay? Jeez, I I can't believe that was hilarious. Like. Unbelievable. Uh, Hodge, you yeah, laugh we, we don't, me cry. We don't, we don't want any Debbie Downers on this show. Or should I say Debbie Plowners? <laughs> okay, that's decent, actually, though. That's oh, arguably it's better. As, Maybe we could have... <laughs> it's not as good as, as Snow Zeke. My, oh, my abs are sore. Oh, that, oh that is the funny. biggest ab workout you've done in years, probably. You're not kidding, bro. Oh, <laughs> oh my boy. god, people are like, "Can you guys just shut up about clouds? Move on." Are we ready? A, oh. Yes, we're ready. JC, yes, are you okay? Good. Can you breathe? Can you speak? Yes. All right. I think so. I, I can oh. manage. We're good. We love you, though, Valentine. The Hamilton Tiger Cats re-signed Canadian kicker Mark Leggio. Were you impressed with his bounce-back season in 2023? Yes, it was a very good season. <laughs> Justin Howell was re-signed with the Red Blacks after speculation that the club could be targeting former Carlton Sando Tunde Adelike. Where do you see Adelike ending up? I don't think it's impossible that he ends up at Ottawa, but it's looking increasingly unlikely. There seems to be some whispers about maybe his old stomping ground in Calgary, the team that drafted him. I'd be intrigued about that possibility, given how they've improved their secondary. Pull yourselves together, boys. Calgary. Come on. <laughs> okay. Everyone stop laughing. Too. Can't get away from him. The, the, the next one, the next one is somber. So I need you guys to stop laughing. Okay, let's. let's okay, that let's is true. Together, I can All do right, it. I can do go. it. We're good. Okay. I can do it. Famed Hollywood actor Carl Weathers passed away this week at the age of seventy-six. Were you aware that he used to play for the BC Lions? You know, I had a vague memory, but I didn't know that he. Maybe high regard isn't the right term, but held that time with the Lions so near and dear to him, right? There's been some clips that the Lions have put out on the social media showing him talking about his time there. So, obviously, we hope he rests in peace. Drew Richmond, an American offensive tackle, has retired from the CFL at the age of 28. Is that a major loss for the Blue Bombers? It is. Uh, as we exclusively reported, he wanted to renegotiate his deal for 2024. The Bombers were willing to do so, but they couldn't come to an agreement, so he retired. And this might not have been a huge deal if Jamarcus Hardrick was back in Winnipeg, but this was Hardrick's replacement. Richard's been at the club for three years, started a couple of games. He played right tackle at the University of Tennessee, 
and he played right tackle at USC where he plowed opposing defensive linemen <laughs> in the run game as a stellar blocker. So the Bombers are going to miss Drew Richmond, though I appreciate he's far from a household name. The Edmonton Elks have signed Boris Beattie to a two-year contract following a career year with Toronto, who signed, of course, Liram Hyralahu, following a four-year stint in the NFL. Will that help Edmonton? Really will. I know Dean Faithful was a good story at times last year. The 35-year-old British kicker as Queen Wave after his pathetic game-winning <laughs> field goals because he couldn't kick more than 30 yards. It's time to move on from that. Let's get a competent kicker in the building. I'm, now harsh, there bro. are going to be some. I'm not there's going to be some changes there. The Royals there's going to be come some changes. You, <laughs> there's going to be some intriguing changes, though, because despite the fact that Boris Beatty is a born and raised <laughs> Frenchman, right? He's from, I believe, he's from Paris, if not Toulouse. I'm not sure which city. He's from France, anyway. Uh, he doesn't count as a global. He counts as an American. So they're going to have to find another global spot. And Edmonton has shown no, you know that Chris they don't Jones really want to spend it anywhere right other than a kicker. A global. They can't do that, though. It's uh, There's He's there's no way that they can. I just want to clarify. You can try. It's going to fa- fail. I'm not laughing at Dean Faithful. I'm still laughing about Snow Tinky Mitchell. My point being, if... If I was uh, Jake Julian, their current Canadian punter, I'd be very concerned about the potential that there is going to be a global punter coming in for his job this training camp. And if I'm a team who was maybe thinking about adding a Canadian punter, I might look at Julian as a target. Former CFL QB and assistant coach Marcus Brady is the new passing game coordinator of the Los Angeles Chargers. Is that a good hire? I think it is. I like it. He's got CFL ties. Obviously, he was a quarterback in this league and a coach and has now been in the NFL for a long time with multiple different franchises. And he's with, you know, arguably one of the biggest star coaches there with the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh. Really intrigued to see how this plays out. Fellas. I think we should probably all apologize in advance to Ryan Valentine. The first thing I do when I get <laughs> off recording this podcast is just going to say, Valentine, we sorry in the podcast. Sorry, read our nation chat group about the podcast. He's not going to know what it is, but when he listens to the pod, I hope he laughs as much as us. We're laughing with you, Valentine, not at you. Okay. We thank you as always for listening to the Nation podcast. On behalf of Jay Plow Abbott and Justin Plowk, <laughs> I'm John Plowge. We'll see you next week. Enjoy CFL Free Agency. (laughs) Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.